We are back in Atlantic City. Scotty Braun and Eric Kratz with you on stadium for the first hour of FT Live from Borgata in Atlantic City. AC's best live entertainment on stage year-round. Right here at Borgata, visit the Borgata.com for the full entertainment lineup. And that includes today at the BetMGM Sportsbook. And coming off a little Somerset Patriots stop, we have the full-on tour going right now. We're getting all Jersey. North Jersey, my sister texted me today. She's like, North Jersey, South Jersey? I mean, we came down to the shore. Like this mm-hmm. is, this is an, and anytime we're back in here, the TVs are on. You hear the horse racing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good stuff. It's great. And today, we'll have Ken Rosenthal in about thirty minutes. A lot to get to with him, including his thoughts on the Shohei Otani news. And Liam Hendricks is going to make his FT Live debut. I've been waiting for Liam for a while now. The mate, when we first started about talking about this like a year ago, he was like, "Ah, oh, mate, I would love to do it. Anything for you." we were well we'll get into it okay we'll get into our connection yeah and of course he um overcame cancer incredible story a comeback now he's dealing with a more normal baseball injury and tommy john surgery so we'll get into that with him and the white Sox are you know pretty interesting and then andres jimenez who actually joins us for the first time since jose ramirez beats him anderson i'm not going southball so that's why i didn't that's why i didn't straight up with you i gotta i gotta turn so i don't get right for your right Actually, I should be like this then, because I'm yeah, a left. You want to go left? Yeah. That way I got to learn from that. Catch you. You, you got to <laughs> learn from people's mistakes. <laughs> or just don't do that <laughs> or, on or the just field. walk away. How about that? Um, also, uh, for anyone looking at merch, uh, foulterritoryshop.com. And actually, we'll get to this shirt a little bit later on. But the shirt I'm wearing today is green. It says sell. It is one of the most um, talked about shirts on the market for what Oakland has gone through, their fan base and their owner, um, one of the biggest clowns in all of sports, who we'll get to because he finally spoke, which was a massive mistake. Which was awesome. It was awesome. It was I awesome asked, to hear from him. him. To speak. That's great. Yes, he it's finally just, listened. It just Him and John Angelos just keep uh, the gifts they keep on giving. We have two incredible Johns in the sport of <laughs> baseball. They really, really provide all of the goodness in nobody's hearts. So <laughs> let's charge the damn mound as we have a lot of news to get to today. And this came out towards the end of our show yesterday. And we did get the instant reaction from Corbin Burns, but wanted to spend some time kicking this around. Steven Strasburg is going to announce his retirement at 35 years old in a press conference that's scheduled for September the 9th at Nationals Park before they take on the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is a player who's still under contract for many years. He's signed through 2026. Remember, after they won the World Series in 2019, a glorious time period for that ball club, he signed a seven-year, $245 million deal. And as you can see here from Bob Nightingale, he will continue to be paid $35 million annually through 2026, with about 11.4 mil deferred each year. And then he's going to receive 26.6 in 27, 28, and 2029 in his owed deferred payments. The contract was not insured. That means the Nationals are on the hook for the entire deal. If you're not a mathematician, all you should know is that the Nationals basically paid a dude $245 million to not pitch at all, who had a great run at times when he was on the mound, but he could not consistently stay on the mound for this team. So I want to start here. Was it worth it? Don't look at the contract. Just in general, was it worth him being part of the franchise? You have to take everything with him. The contract, the injury baggage, the whole deal. But you did get a 2019 title out of it. Was yes. it worth it? Yes. Okay. I say yes because 
and and I have obviously the caveat is you know this end contract that he's going to make two hundred forty five million and throw thirty one point one innings is just astronomical to me. And this is another example of why you sign a contract when you can sign a contract. But it's something that you sit there and you go, did they need to give him that extension? Were they were they buying high? You know, did Boris, who never signs extensions, sign this extension knowing, hey, you know what, this is our best shot? Or was it Strasburg really being a throwback in the sense of, I want to stay with the same organization that I've been with that drafted me. I don't say they... I wouldn't say they like went out on a limb and drafted him. Like he was the guy. As much as we talked about Paul Skeens was the guy this year, Strasburg was dominant coming out of San Diego State. Probably didn't pay, play against as good a competition, but was dominant and flew through the minor leagues, made his audition against the Pirates. And everywhere until this new contract, to me, he lived up to his hype. The injuries kept him from getting that elusive Cy Young, as as AJ was alluding to yesterday with Burnsy. Like, hey, whatever, you, you got a Cy Young, beat it, Strasburg. You know, <laughs> so there's there's all that stuff, but there's so much. This is how baseball intertwines itself. Mm-hmm. 2019, we talked to Corbin Burns last night. Had had Grisham not misplayed that ball in the outfield, <laughs> yeah, the Nats don't win the wild card. The Nats don't win the wild card. What if the Brewers win the wild card and they go on to win the World Series? Because clearly every team had an opportunity to win if the Nats at that point came from the wild card, barely won that game, and won the World Series. So it just shows that every play matters. Every little move matters. And when you get a guy in the first round, you want him to have three all-stars. You want him to be a World Series MVP, and you – win an MVP. You I mean you win you win an all-star game, you win you win the World Series with that player. To me, it's worth every penny. Yeah, you got reward-wise what you would want from That's it. a number one overall pick. Sure, there's going to be a once in a blue moon guy that comes through and he does everything for you, right? And it's consistency and it's health. But to get Rally. all of that together, right? The individual accolades, the team success. Now, in, you're talking about the 2019 wild card with the Brewers. If they win, then you look at it differently because you didn't get your chip out of it as a fan base. But as a fan base, as much as you can look at this and say, damn, that was a massive, massive mistake. And you're right, giving out that contract after the World Series. Overall, having that player as part of your franchise got you a World Series title, which is a lot more than most clubs can say. One team wins each year. Out of thirty, and it's so and hard to win in the World Series like every well, year right now. So <laughs> <laughs> your chances are slim. They're doing it, as the kids say. They're built different. Yeah, they're they are built, built different. different. Dodgers, they're built different. They've won one. The Dodgers have won one, and and to during me, this run, yeah. If I were if I were the Nationals, and this is how the ownership's going to look at it, I think I hope they do, and fans should look at it this way too, because there's a ton of deferred money. Between the other guy that I think if you put both contracts together, it is super successful. Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg have been paid a ton of money from the Nats, and they won a World Series. Mm-hmm. If you put, if you take any team and you put two guys together, whether you think he was injury prone, whether Max carried the duo more than one of the others, if the Phillies win a World Series and they have Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler together, worth every penny. You're right. 
whatever it is. And I, and I love, I love it. I, I love to see when guys have that type of success. And I hope fans don't see him as an injury plague. I can't believe he took $245 million player because he's got a ship. And every single time, uh, you didn't get a full parade because of COVID, but every time he comes into Washington, national fans should buy Steven Strasburg, Strasburg a drink. And it could be worse, okay? There were many Nats fans and baseball people in general that were like, this team needs to keep its superstars, its core. They need to re-sign Strasburg and Rendon. That oh, would have been a half imagine? a billion dollars tied up in two players that are basically not playing for you, right? So I, at least they didn't hard, keep Rendon too. Did you give him a hard time during no, that I, time I mean, just, No, 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 just the other day. No, not during the time. Okay. Because I thought the Angels were doing a good move by, by signing him. But I gave him a hard time just the other day. I think it was earlier this week where I was like, "How are the Nats, who are the Nats going to rebuild around now? Because of all this deferred money, and we didn't know about Strasburg not playing. We assumed he wouldn't. But how are they going to rebuild without the fact that they don't keep superstars? So this James Wood guy, that's going to be their six-year window. If he's the guy, if he's the next Ellie De La Cruz, if he's the next, you know, whatever superstar that I think he is, seeing his swing just a little bit, this guy's a stud. But how are they going to keep him if they don't re-sign? Or how are they going to build franchise, like, history and success without keeping some of these guys. Well, the key, though, is you need to latch on earlier if you see something special. If oh, you that, let guys get to free agency, that's on you as a franchise. Absolutely. So they did that with Trey. They didn't work something out with him early on. I think if they did, I think he's even said he definitely would have stayed, and he's an East Coast guy. It's just that that never came about. Soto, they tried. So I give them credit as a franchise. I know you're not totally buying that, but – did they not offer him 440? I mean, that's not been disputed. Okay. So I always say I want to see who started at what end of the spectrum. Did they really offer him 440? Did Soto come out and say, or Boris, because I think he's I think yes. he's represented by Boris. He is. Did he come out and say, they offered me 440, but I didn't want it? Because if he that had happened, I'm sure he would have come out and been like, I didn't want it because this organization has no plan or future of what's going to happen. Because I I have a hard time seeing it, yet Rizzo should have gotten his extension. Davey should have gotten his extension. They won a World Series. Davey got his extension right. now. Rizzo, I think, will get it. I think the White Sox give, gives, gives him a little bit of leverage for him to say, hey, okay. listen, I need to be paid at this level. I don't give a shit what you're saying. He deserves it. It's been a long time for him. Absolutely. They've had plenty of winning. They had a nice winning window. They got a chip out of it. And I actually like what they're building again. So let's take that to... The next point here in the next bit of news, Alden Gonzalez reported yesterday that Shohei Otani is going to keep DHing for the Angels, which is pretty wild. I mean, because we don't really have any comparisons here since nobody else can pitch and hit like this. But the Angels are on the road now for the Mets. They're going to be in Philly. We're close by. And they're going to take on Oakland. And he's not going to pitch the rest of the season because he's got a torn UCL. And he's probably going to need Tommy John surgery at some point to get past that. But he's still going to play. And his free agency is going to be super interesting. And just to kick it back to what you were talking about for one sec, I feel much better about the direction of the Nationals than I do about the Angels. I mean, this is like the ultimate sob story. They load up a little bit for him. It didn't do anything. They're still not good. They're not going to make the playoffs. Now their superstar who gives them hope to watch just for the last couple months and have something super entertaining and historic is going through it. He can't pitch anymore. He's still going to hit. It's like... You know, you're ripping off band-aids one by one until 
he leaves for another ball club. And for him personally, Kratzy, I don't really know what to say. I don't have the medical opinion. The only thing I will say is when Ken Rosenthal comes on, one of his colleagues, Evan Drellick, wrote an article yesterday about he consulted with doctors who said if he gets Tommy John surgeries because he wants to pitch again in the future, he should sit out in 2024. Now, if that's the case, that is going to rock his price tag and also just rock him. I don't know how he's going to treat that. And he might have team doctors that advise otherwise. So I'm very curious. I, I've I've heard some other people mention, hey, this is a right-handed pitcher with the elbow issue there. It's a left-handed swinger. If he wears a brace, which he usually does, the biggest problem could be like the, what is it, the hyperextended elbow or something, but that brace helps to keep it in. This is where it starts to get a little too tricky for me to be able to comment. I'm just kind of like repurposing smarter people's <laughs> thoughts and trying to figure out what actually makes sense for him. And we'll get Ken to comment on it. But what do you think about him at least doing the hitting thing for another six weeks? I think it's great. I also think there is an exact replica of what happened. Him tearing his UCL and getting Tommy John surgery. And he returned in May. The last time he did it, he got it at the end of the season. He got it on October 1st. So he has had this, and I think he knows how soon he can come back. The interesting part is if he had it in October and he came back at the beginning of May, couldn't he have it at the beginning of September and come back at the beginning of April? See, that's why I like you. I had the same exact thoughts back when I was on MLB. I said that over and over, and if you actually look back then at why it didn't happen, it was mostly just because he wanted to play the season out which I think it sounds like now. Yes, it's happening again. And I remember back then I was like, but wait, you're not going to have him for the first month and change of the season. That doesn't make sense. But I agree with you on that front. And a month month isn't a big deal. A month isn't a big deal in a season. If you sign with Seattle and you don't win the division next year, it is a big deal. But yes, I understand. He's got to worry about himself a little bit and he wants to play this out. And maybe he wants to see also like how he can handle this as a hitter for now. And I don't know, like, is the decision definitely in the beginning of October? I'm going to go under the knife and then I'll still hit and then I'll come back as the pitcher. And also, who am I signing with and who am I working with in terms of a medical staff, which is things that we don't really think about most of the time. He is not making all of the calls and and getting all of the opinions on his own. He's not a freaking MD. And also, at this point, do you want to listen to the Angels or do you want to go somewhere else and listen to their people? So many, so many conspiracy Woo. things. Like, what if he loves? What if he loves how the last Tommy John surgery went through? Chris Medlin got Tommy John surgery, rehabbed, got a second one, rehabbed with the rehab with the Braves, and it was just not going well. He was mm-hmm. like, ugh, ugh, terrible. And then he got his third one after coming Oof. back, and he rehabbed with the Royals and was like night and day. He goes, they were digging in there. They were breaking up the scar tissue. He said, my first day throwing the first time through was terrible. The next time through when I was with the Royals, he was like, nothing. It feels tremendous. So it's something that that rehab stuff really, really matters. And so I think this is, this is the intriguing part for me. Not only is his value going to go down and Ken's, you know, Ken's article says he's still going to get 500 million. So to me, my question would be, what is he going to get 600 million before 650? I don't know, but his value is going to go down. Whatever you say, I have a hard time arguing with that. But my thing is, 
have there been more opportunities for other teams now? Because not only because his value has gone down, but the Dodgers were always a front runner. What if he sits there and, you know, is now looking, hey, what is your rehab stuff? Who has rehabbed Tommy, a second Tommy John with you? And they're like, ah, we haven't had a second one yet. Oh, we have Walker Bueller. We can talk to him. Mm-hmm. Or he talks to the Rays. I'm not saying the Rays are going to. No, they're definitely they're, not they're, signing him. They're not him. signing him. But you know what I mean? <laughs> there's more people and there's more things that go into this. And the whole him playing also brings up the question, is he going to get Tommy John? Everything I hear, Fletcher came on the other day and was like, this guy was worried about his legacy, wants to be this guy that pitches and hits. To me, I think he's going to come back and pitch. But it really is an intriguing it's an intriguing thing. And I really think his contract's going to have some type of opt-out clause, but it's oh, going to be it'll so much have an opt-out. Yeah. That's going to be involved with pitching, though. I think he was going to have an opt-out regardless, just based on the competitiveness of the next team that he signs with. I mean, I think the Dodgers have proven that they're going to be a contender every year. For example, if he signs with Seattle, there are still questions in terms of how much more that team will spend. Will yeah. they be a consistent winner, right? Even though he likes some aspects of that team. I thought just aside from this injury stuff before it happened, if he signed with a team like Seattle, he'd say, cool, I'll do this. We're going to sign for seven years, whatever, massive amount. But I want to opt out after like, you know, year two or something. I want to make sure this is going on the right track and you guys are continuing to add and make a big deal out of this. So a lot to get to. We'll con- let's continue it um, sure. when we get to Ken Rosenthal in about 10, 15 minutes from now. So let's fast forward for a moment and look at what we've got on the slate this evening. And this is a special edition of Last Minute Game Time. Thanks to our friends at Game Time. Best ticketing app out there, period. If you're looking for last-minute tickets to games, this is the spot for you. We'll go over it a little bit in a moment and make sure you bang that FT live code if you're a new user for 20 bucks off your first purchase with terms applying. But I want to just like lock in on one game, and then I'm going to basically force you to pick it. It's, as, easy. it's easy, right? Like tell, tell everyone in the New England area, if they're not going to a particular game, what they should be doing right now via the game time app new hampshire fisher cats games oh no that's not it accurate i'm Boston. taking that off I'm, I'm i'm buying all the tickets from new hampshire so you can't go because i need you to go to we are shipping off to boston hell yes to fenway park for something that honestly i feel terrible that i had no idea until i started doing research for this show mm-hmm. what was coming what was coming back to boston for the first time since he got traded mookie betts is coming back to play in Fenway Park and this stadium for his 12 to 15 at-bats in a three-game series should be standing ovations. They should respect the heck out of what this guy did because he was a consummate professional. He brought back a huge haul, whether or not those players have done well with with Doogie's four-hit game last night against the Trash throws. Did they win yesterday? (laughs) (laughs) Squeaked. Squeaked. 17-1. I mean, 17-1. I know it's just one game, but you feel good about your offense and you're still hanging around the wild card situation when you go beat the shit out of the Houston (laughs) Astros, which is not easy to do. It's It's one of the better pitching staffs in the league. And they just kept putting it on them and putting it on them. And they... Maldi gave up four runs. He's not as good of a pitcher as you, Martin. He's not, but he's he's clearly a much better catcher. (laughs) But Mookie coming back to Boston, you never heard any boo when he was in Boston. You hear a lot of players going to Boston and having 
having issues with like certain things and wanting to get out of there. He loved being a Red Sox. Did he deny some extensions? Absolutely. But that's his right. And also he was on this show and said that he would have stayed and he thought he was going to stay and he wasn't super high on the West Coast in general. Now he's loving it. And also he's on a consistent winner that we definitely applaud more than most teams because of how they run their operation. I know they got to win more World Series titles to be able to justify all of that. But if you look at what Boston did, this is a good time to reflect as a franchise and as a fan base and say, we messed up. Especially with how hot he is right now. He is in fuego. He might just, they might rename <laughs> they might remain the green monster as Mookie's monster. <laughs> the way he was hitting in Cleveland, five-hit game after a three-hit game in the first game of the doubleheader, he's raised his average from 262 to 308. At this point in the season to do that, this man is in fuego right now. And Boston and the Red Sox fans can keep booing ownership for not keeping them but they need to celebrate this man for the three-game series that he's in here for. They whiffed badly. That's what happened. And yep. for Mookie, that extension was 12 years, $365 million. It runs through the 2032 season. So he's still got a lot of time left on that one. <laughs> but because it was stretched out so much for the luxury tax and some deferrals in that contract, it actually only counts for his yearly salary at $25.5 million a year which I know still sounds insane in life, but in baseball, when you compare it to many of the other deals for a player like him, it's not wild. And it's a team that doesn't, uh, they go over the, the luxury tax, which is like the salary cap basically in baseball, but it's not, um, it just, it helps them so that they're not paying a crazy tax, especially when they try and throw half a billion dollars, maybe at Shohei Otani this off season. So they, they orchestrated that one nicely for both sides. He had a $65 million signing bonus, um, FYI. But here's the fact. Boston could have done this, period. They could have done this. Easy. And they could have gotten him for less if they had offered him what he felt was market value based on how many years he had been in the league and what he was putting together. He just he always felt like they were going a little too low based on what his accomplishments were. And the longer you let that linger and the richer he gets, the more leverage he has. And they blew it. Boston blew it. And I don't know if they've recovered really since. I mean, I feel like when you blow it like that, you're backpedaling. And I don't think they've stopped backpedaling. Yes, they gave Devers his money, which I think is huge. But you could have had Mookie Betts and Rafael Devers in the same lineup you're looking at a one-two combo, which the Dodgers are like, oh, appreciation station. We'll take Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. I'm not saying Rafi's to the point of Freddie yet, but he is. That would be just, it would be epic. And what he did for the city, winning the World Series, what he did for, I just, I, he came up through the organization. He said, I wouldn't have wanted to leave. And I, so I don't, I, don't, I don't see it. And I guess, you know, that's a, that big of a contract. You can't blame Heim Bloom. While Heim Bloom might be the one that sits there and goes, okay, well, this is who we traded and we didn't have the finances for it. Yeah, but he reports to he, the higher ups. Yeah. And Heim Boston Bloom makes me. a ton of money. Right, right. Not Mookie Betts. It's a great call. Heim Bloom says, hey, I got this backup catcher oh. who I feel really good about. Yep. Everyone loves him. I like his swing this year. Metrics like what he's done in the past year. Let's sign him. And they're like, cool, I'm an owner. I don't pay attention. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. Well, we know who Mookie Betts is. We know what he's going to yeah. cost. And for them, 
you're right. Devers is who they're building around. That was kind of the makeup. And, you know, fans were pissed about Xander Bogarts, but if Betts was still there and Bogarts was the one that left, again, I think they would have been okay. They're not necessarily expecting you to keep every single ball player. And Bogarts got signed to a deal that takes him to like 40 years old or something like that. That's actually not what would have happened here with Mookie. The one thing I'll say on the Dodgers side as they come to town to take on Boston, and yes, just if you're just joining us, this is the first time Mookie is back at Fenway Park. The Dodgers sign guys long-term that hit. It's, it's not going to happen. Most long-term contracts get ugly, especially late. But what we're talking about with Mookie and with Freddie, something that the Yankees struggled with, right? Signing LeMahieu, bringing Donaldson for the end of his contract. Some of the contracts they've handed out to some veterans in their mid-30s haven't worked out. The Dodgers are doing it right. When they're, when they're finding their franchise players to lock up to long-term deals, they're finding the right ball players right now. Those are two really good examples. It's working for them. It is working, and they're not showing any signs of decline. I get it. They're in, you know, Freddie's a little bit older. No, but, yeah, but he's as good as ever. He's he's better. Yeah. And it's just another example of like how do you how do you make adjustments on the fringes? How do you get players better from Josh Outman, a rookie, all the way up to Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts? Like you you get these guys a little bit better and you should slow down the older you get, but you get smarter. So organizations that use those metrics and use those ideas they're getting the most out of that value and it is it's impressive impressive machine to watch yeah and and really on the ownership side because you know there's a lot of egos involved the dodger side embarrassed boston side on this front they said you guys can't figure out signing him there's no excuse for that you make a ton of money you're one of the top market teams oh. in baseball we'll take him and we'll hand out that extension that he deserves and it's a win and boston fans lastly on what you said at the beginning of this are going to cheer the hell out of him. You know, Boston, New York, Philly, we know those fan bases can be tough, but Mookie did nothing wrong. He didn't get bait enough. And he sat there when he was there and was an MVP and was a World Series champ. He did nothing wrong. Likeable. There's there's nothing you can pick at. So he's going to go there. They're going to clap it up. And he's going to say, hey, could have had this. Could have had this. That's <laughs> it. You can't have this. Can't no, touch that's this. the one I mean, when he was on, I wasn't on that day. And I wanted to tell the story when I played with Mookie for the two days that I played with him. I said I was going to tell him it was in 2016. I was 15. I was there for two days. Travis Shaw had just gotten called up. He had no hits. So he's still looking for his first big league hit. And he hits a rocket to the shift. The second baseman was playing in right field. So you just get called up, and the shift beats you for your first eh, not a big league hit. And Mookie was sitting right next to me, and he goes, he goes, yeah. And he stands up, and he was the only person to hold stadium and stood up because there's a ground ball to the second baseman. And I was like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, shit. <laughs> so Mookie is human. He is human. He's funny. He's a good dude. So He's funny. excited. He's great. He does a great job, like, basically as a broadcaster already, too. All right, so – if you're in the New England area, or even if you're not, you can get there. Highly advise you to check out the Game Time app. Look for those last-minute flash deals. It's the best spot for last-minute tickets without the stress. They've always got great inventory available for you. It is the fast and easy way to get tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater, whatever it is you're looking for. They are so good on the last-minute front that 
you don't have to worry about buying tickets months in advance. This is like day of, weather's great, Mookie's coming back, he's healthy, I want to see what's happening there. You hit that and you slide over the, the toggle button there to see those flash deals and you'll get hooked up with also the game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price on tickets in the same section and row for less. If you find it somewhere else for better pricing, they will credit you 110% of the difference because they don't have to do it, all right? I mean, it's that simple. You're not going to find it better elsewhere. So download the game time app, create an account, use code FTLive for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code FTLive for 20 bucks off. Download game time today, last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed i like that it's just like one game we had to hit that's mookie bets tonight back in boston ken rosenthal back on the show to go over otani news next back on ft live at atlantic city in borgata scotty braun and eric kratz and now joined by ken rosenthal ken great to see you i know you're in minnesota we'll get to that in a little bit but the news comes out yesterday really the night before technically about shohei otani and we're excited to get your thoughts on how this is going to play out for him, including the free agency extravaganza that I'm sure we'll talk about quite a bit, and you wrote about it. So what do you got for us? First of all, Scott, we don't know how this is going to play out just yet. All we know is that he has a UCL tear. Now, Evan Drellick wrote a really interesting article, I thought, this morning, came out in The Athletic, about how if Otani wants to get back to being a pitcher again, the best way to do that is to follow the progression that all pitchers follow after Tommy John surgery, if indeed he undergoes Tommy John surgery. And then you have the situation where he possibly would not be hitting if indeed that is his focus, getting back to being a pitcher. This, remember, would be his revision, second Tommy John surgery. So it complicates things a little bit, makes the recovery process longer, makes him perhaps required to be more diligent in that process. Not that he wasn't diligent the last time, but this is even more regimented, I guess, than it would be after a first Tommy John surgery. Now, we don't know yet if that is the course that this is going to go. He may go for an internal bracing procedure, which has become more popular in recent times, which lessens the recovery time. It's a different kind of thing. I don't know if you can do that for a revision for a second UCL tear. The other thing he could do conceivably would be simply to rehab it on his own and hopefully go about it that way. I don't know. We don't know. We don't have information on that yet. It's obviously going to be something that really dictates his future, his free agency too, because his free agency will hinge on what teams think or what he can do going forward. The biggest question is value. Where is the value decreased what is that value to is 500 million too much i mean no uh not otani judge just got 360 and he was two years older than him and you kind of hit a number of 500 million if that's a real number what was the number gonna be 650 well we don't know eric and i would have expected that if he was healthy the number would have been over six because of just all the attention he gets all of the demand that would be in place for him. He is a unique player in the game's history. I don't have to repeat that. Now it's different. And now it seems to me, and I wrote this yesterday, that you have to look at him as a hitter only. And if he pitches again, how much he pitches again, that would be a bonus. Now, again, I'm assuming things by saying that too. I don't know, again, what the recovery process is going to be like. But 
it would seem to me that you have to look at him now as a hitter first. And if he misses all of next year with hitting and pitching because he has to recover from the pitching side of it, okay, you structure a deal perhaps with that in consideration. You definitely would, actually. But I wrote this yesterday, and I believe this. $500 million is still realistic because of who he is, because of the marketing opportunities he gives your team, because of everything that he offers. And you made the point, Eric, and it's true. He's two years younger than Judge. And people say, well, can he be only a DH if he doesn't pitch again? Not necessarily. This guy can play right field or even center field. He could play any of the outfield positions. And I would imagine once he could throw again, he'd be a really good outfielder. So there is a lot of unknown here, but I just expect the demand is still going to be really high because of all that he brings and potentially brings if he can pitch again. And we have seen pitchers recover and pitch again from a torn UCL. It's happened. Jamison Tyone has done it. Nathan Evaldi's done it. It's not easy. The success rate is not as high coming off a second injury of this kind. But we have all bet against Otani in the past, and we have all been wrong. Every one of us who doubted this guy has been wrong. And you have to keep that in mind when assessing his future as well. Is there a marketability fear that he's not going to be as marketable if he's just a hitter? Because I know some of that $500 million is cooked in with his marketability numbers but if he's just a hitter and he comes out and says i just don't think i can do it anymore which i doubt i'm not in that camp but is his marketability number go down which pushes his number down even more i'm not sure eric and it's funny when i was preparing that column i wrote yesterday i spoke with one of our writers andy mccullough and we were kind of talking through it and he said don't forget that part you can still sell billboards with shohei otani regardless of whether he can pitch or not and Andy's right, because if you think about it, right now, he's the best hitter in the game. Most home runs, highest OPS, what more do you want? That player you could market, and he, of course, is marketable not just on this continent, but in his home country of Japan, throughout Asia, and all of the world, I would imagine. So I would expect that he is still just as marketable, maybe not quite as marketable, let me correct that, but he still has that incredible magnetism and power in that regard. Ken, I remember bringing this up years back, and I actually felt like I was somewhat on an island because I didn't hear or read much about this topic. But when he got Tommy John surgery the first time around, I was like, why isn't he getting it right now? Why is he finishing off the season? Then he ended up starting the next year late. Okay, whatever. It's a month or two. But I'm just thinking for him, if he does end up still hitting after recovering from the surgery and say he signs with Seattle, well, I want him to get that surgery now. The rest of the season's a wash. There's some individual accolades. It was cool to hear Kratz say the same exact thing at the top of the show. What are your thoughts on that front? I mean, regardless of what he's doing, if he is going to have surgery, shouldn't he be making these decisions now? The Angels season is over. I agree, Scott. And that, to me, would be the wisest course. And it seems to me that they're gathering information still and trying to figure out what the proper course is. But... If that surgery is required, yes, get it now, begin the process, and that way you get back to the field either as a hitter or a hitter pitcher that much sooner. So I don't expect he would delay it. It was very unique the other night when after learning that he had a torn UCL, he torn UCL, he decided to play the second game. And clearly right now, 
the decision is that he will DH until further notice. That's what the Angels have said. We'll see how long that lasts. But he wants to play. He wants to earn his money. He wants to contribute. That's kind of who he is, right? And that's what you want. But at the same time, for his future value and simply for his recovery, yes, if he needs Tommy John surgery, sure, you want to get it done as quickly as possible. Okay, Ken, I want to take you to one of the bigger problems we have in the sport, and I call it a John problem. Fisher and Angelos, two of really the worst owners of any businesses really out there, aside from just sports. I'll say it. I don't care. I mean, they're everything that is wrong with baseball, the business of baseball, the game of baseball, right? So you just wrote about John Angelos, Baltimore Orioles owner, who whenever he talks, everyone gets dumber. And he spoke basically, in my mind, so that he could play some defense as to why the Orioles are not going to extend this young core. They've been tanking and not spending any money for years. They're still not really spending money. They profit their asses off. Let him come out and say otherwise to me. He won't. He'll never show his books like he always says. If you're so poor, sell the team. So that's me, and that's what I get. And that's, those are my feelings when I read your article about what John Angelo said. What do you think? And it, did he talk so that he could play defense like that in your mind? Because the Orioles are going to have this fun three-year window, and then people are going to start leaving or getting traded. I don't know what he was thinking when he said what he did to Tyler Kepner of the New York Times. To me, those comments were, A, inaccurate because they can afford players. And as I mentioned in the article, the Tampa Bay Rays signed Wander Franco for $182 million. The same offseason, they offered Freddie Freeman $150 million. That's the Tampa Bay Rays. These things are possible even for teams where the revenue isn't quite as high. The Orioles are doing just fine. According to Forbes, and granted, we don't know if Forbes has access exact numbers, but generally they have pretty good estimates. They had the fourth highest profits in the game last year. And if they weren't fourth highest, maybe they were 10th highest. They're getting money from all over the place. And of course, they had a $42 million payroll or whatever it was last season. So you've been saving money these last few years while tanking. And now you're saying, ah, sorry, we can't keep Adley Rushman long-term. We can't keep Gunnar Henderson long-term. Well, guess what? The Braves have done it, and they've done it by striking early with players like Michael Harris II and Spencer Strider. I'm not saying Rushman or Henderson would take those deals, but if you try, you can get them at a better rate than you'll get them when they have a year of arbitration left before free agency. So don't tell me. And don't tell your fans, more importantly, that this is not possible. It's possible. And don't blame the system when you've profited from that system. That system has served you quite well in a financial aspect. So those comments to me were wrongheaded and they distracted from what has been and continues to be an amazing season for his team. And why you would want to go there at this stage, I have no idea. Now, Keep in mind, they are negotiating a lease with the state of Maryland. Their lease at Camden Yards expires December 31st. And perhaps he was thinking of using this for leverage and saying, hey, we need more money. You're not getting more money. The state of Maryland is going to give the Baltimore Orioles, as they gave the Baltimore Ravens, $600 million for ballpark upgrades the moment they sign the lease. The Ravens have signed it. The Orioles have not. In this day and age, when public money is so hard to come by, I'm not sure what more you can ask for in a legitimate way. Well said. And also on the front of like, say, Forbes doing their homework, they can see a lot of what the Braves are doing. It's a publicly traded team. So you can yes. see many books and see 
how well these franchises are doing. So John Angelos, you can't hide anywhere. He's full of shit. It's it's fraudulent. And again, if you, Scott, if the Orioles or any other team wants to say, oh, Forbes is making this up, that's fine. Let's see your books. And they won't show us their books. We all know that. They're private companies. They don't have to do that. But when you just continually knock down reports like that from a reputable publication, there's no question Forbes is that. Well, you have no credibility in this argument. You can't point to facts that indicate otherwise. And we'd all welcome that if that was true. And what he's saying is indeed a problem for the Orioles or the Guardians or any other team. Okay, that's fine. But let's see it. The other thing, and I mentioned this in the article too, the Orioles were bought for $173 million in 1993 by Peter Angelos, John's father. They are now worth, according to Forbes, $1.7 billion. That's an increase of 890%. Now, when you talk to Major League Baseball about this, they'll always say, well, that doesn't count. They have to run the team based on the money that they're taking it. I get that. And it's like when you sell a house, you have to wait until the end. You're not living off what you're going to sell the house for in the future. But at the same time, my goodness, that asset has increased in value in a way that really you can't get even in the best stocks. So we're all kind of tired of hearing the poor mouthing. And that's why I said at the end of the article, enough of the poor mouthing, sell the team if this is the way you see it. I'm wearing the shirt today. It's not orange, but it can really accomplish the same thing. It it might make them in orange soon. Yep, you're they right. Might, <laughs> they might make it orange. So this this might be this might be a comment or a question that hamstrings both of us because we want these owners to talk, and I've called for these owners to talk. Should he just shut up, or because he was quiet for so many years, and he came out to ridicule a writer, Dan Connolly, and then he went back in, and now all of a sudden he wants is this is this talking more because they're good? or because he's just posturing for this whole ballpark renovation thing? Well, it's a good question, Eric. And Dan Connolly, my friend, he used to be with The Athletic. He originally wrote, I don't know, maybe about a year ago, that John Angelos needs to talk. He needs to come out and say some things and address some issues. (laughs) And now (laughs) we kind of wish he wouldn't keep talking. But I am always in favor as a journalist of people talking. You always want to hear from people. But – if you're John Angelos and if you're his public relations people, maybe it's better if he stops talking. Because every time he opens his mouth, it seems, there is another controversy that erupts. And also in the New York Times article, we might as well mention it. He said the Kevin Brown situation is something that shouldn't have happened and will never happen again. He runs the Orioles. He runs the Orioles regional television network. <laughs> if this happened, it did happen. He's the one responsible. There's no running from that. So, again, he does nobody in his organization any good when he comes out with comments like that. You can see right through them. And that's why I wrote what I did because I felt it needed to be said that what he is saying is just not proper or not right. Yeah, and you backed it up with numbers too, which is the biggest thing for me. You back it up with numbers. Talking about numbers, the pitch clock – you feel like it's kind of like settled down and there's not many issues. And yet we see the biggest star go down with a Tommy John injury. I mean, UCL tear. Are we going to see it in a few years that there could be some 
injury issues, and some some pitchers are attributed to the pitch clock. And that, I'll just add one quick thing too, Ken, is that Otani pitched slow as hell, and he sped it up. So I didn't think you were going to go that route. Because And Ken, I know you wrote about this in the Daily Wind-Up in the Athletic this morning, but that, that's a good call. It is a good question, and I didn't mention this when I wrote what I did today. There has been that fear all along that in- injuries could increase because of the pitch clock. However, I would suggest that while we don't have any data yet along these lines, we can't say for sure if Otani's injury or any other pitcher's injury resulted from the quicker pace. It's not like pitchers just started getting hurt, Eric. My goodness, pitchers get hurt all the time. Clock, no clock. And it's been really the scourge of the sport, the biggest problem in the sport, in my opinion, for quite some time. We cannot keep these guys healthy. But from the perspective that I wrote about, just the success of the clock and the adjustment of the players to the clock, month by month, you've seen the rate of violations go down. And it's almost down to nothing. It's down for the season to 0.5 violations per game. That's really minuscule. And the reason I even looked into this was because I still see violations watching games. And I wondered, what the heck is going on? Why are players not getting this? But they are getting it. And you have to look at the aggregate and just the whole picture. And yes, they are getting it. And it's been a success without doubt in terms of reducing the time of games, increasing the pace, which is what baseball desired. These are all good things. And with the injury question, sure, you can, necess- you can point perhaps to some of these things, these, the clock, whatever else, as factors that weren't there before and are there now. But I don't know that I buy it, man, because the injury rate is just what it is. And it's something that pitchers have been unable to avoid for quite some time. Ken, good stuff. Enjoy that game. Good luck. I know you got Twins Rangers this weekend with AJ. We gave you the day off from him today. So. With AJ. Yeah, That's with good. AJ. That's oh, good I'll get AJ. plenty of them tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Must see TV this weekend. Ken on the game on Fox. Thanks, Ken. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. We've been really loading up the quotes for one of my favorite segs that we call That's What He Said. So we are going to start with the reason why I'm wearing one of the most popular shirts in baseball this year. It's super simple, gets the message across. It's got the green, which already stands out. And you just have the simple white lettering. They did a great job with it. I'll post some pictures and shout out the company that Um, is selling them and put this together. But it goes back to that original reverse boycott where A's fans showed up and said, it's not us, it's you, to the A's (laughs) owner, John Fisher, who actually finally spoke out as the A's continue to make their progress towards leaving Oakland, kind of for no reason, and going to Vegas, where Vegas should have their own franchise and not have to deal with a villain of a human being. So let's show the quote. Um, from John Fisher, it's just full of garbage. Um, and <laughs> hot garbage. <laughs> hot garbage is accurate. So uh, Raj Matai said a few takeaways from my John Fisher interview. One, wasn't expecting him to be so candid revealing. Two, says he will not sell even after moving to Vegas. Oof, I feel bad for the city of Vegas. Uh, A's submitted a formal application to MLB to move. And also, this villain vows to retain good players once moving to Vegas. Okay. Uh, one of the quotes here, I'm sorry it didn't work out. This is a strange way of saying, why didn't taxpayers build me a new stadium for my private business? These people are shameless. 
I just, I don't know. Like every time, I, I even read these quotes before the show. And that was every, bold of you because that takes a lot of courage to read those and not want to smash a television. It just makes me, it, it, it makes, it's such, it's a visceral reaction when you just read those out loud. Like for him to say, I'm sorry, it didn't work. Like after they've shown they want to come out to your games, they've shown that they care about this team, old players, current fans, current players that are with other teams talking about how great the fan base is. Not one person has stood up and been like, how great is John Fisher? You ever see the movie uh, Men in Tights? At the end of the movie, they changed all the, all the bathrooms were called latrines. They go, and now we will call all the latrines in the, in the county Johns because the John was, John was the guy that was the bad guy in the movie. Well, now we have another reason to call them Johns. John Fisher and John Angelos. Yeah, they're toilets. Like, it's just, it just is, it is hurtful. And I've never, I've never seen a company run this way. I've never seen you go to. He doesn't run his own companies this way, by the way, because they own, you know, clothing companies. He would never go to the people who are wearing his jeans and say, you don't look very good in those. I don't want you to wear my jeans until I take them to another city where it's going to be so much more profitable. Like they want Wait, to Wait, there's another out. step. Can I add to that? Because there actually was a story about this, and it was incredibly written. I think it was Stephanie Epstein from Sports Illustrated. So she interviewed people that work at like Gap and some of the companies that his family owns. You know, is it, I wasn't going to mention a daddy the money guy, John Fisher. I don't give a shit. I mean, he's a bad guy. I don't care. Come on our show, dude. You won't. Scared. <laughs> so there was a possum and there's infestation in that ballpark and it's up to them to fix that. And he purposely won't, of course, because he's trying to not just tank his team. He's trying to tank the organization, the city that has the team, right? Anything around what he owns with the Oakland A's. And they were like, hey, you know, in this store that he owns, if they had a possum, um, and this place was infested with animals and, and bugs, what would happen? They were like, we would shut the store down immediately and fix it within 24 hours. They were like, all right, cool. Good to know. <laughs> it's just wild to me okay, that just you checking. can go to a ballpark with tens of thousands of people and they can say, hey, it's kind of gross here. We're going to keep it that way. We're kind of trying to do that on purpose. We're going to raise ticket prices. We're going to give you the worst product on the field that we possibly can pull off because we want to leave. It's just, it's just tough. It's not how the game should be run. So, again, someone speaks out. And I, I'm surprised that he ever spoke because even when – this is crazy to me too. When the team is trying to convince Vegas to give them a ton of money and tax breaks and do whatever they can to be you know, an even more valuable franchise in Las Vegas, he didn't show up to anything. He just had his minions show up for him. Like he didn't even show up to the taxpayers to say, hey, I'm about to steal billions of dollars from you. Ha ha. But now he speaks, so just wild, and I love this shirt, and I want to make sure that everyone sees, and I'm glad that Liam Hendricks agreed that it is the best shirt in baseball this year because there are certain owners that need to look in the mirror. They won't because they're too rich and they get too much money off of this, but damn, it would really be nice if they just got out of here. Yeah, and really, John Fisher, if you want to see the Netflix, go watch the movie Major League. John Fisher is Rachel Phelps. He is the owner. He is Rachel Major Phelps. League. So when you watch... Major League, Rachel Phelps, the, the 
deceased wife of of the original owner of the Cleveland Indians in the movie. She was a showgirl. John Fisher is Rachel Phelps. Mm-hmm. So just just for your information. They are the same person. Yes. If you want to see what they're like. It's let's a documentary. Yes. All right, let's slap. Slap in person. That's true. We can. That is true. We can slap in person. Yeah. My big thing is what a week. It was fun to be on the road in multiple Jeez. spots. We might have some big news over the weekend, maybe that we can announce in terms solidifying of where we'll be. It, solidifying it, hopefully. Okay. Hopefully it'll be cool. Stay tuned. Next week could Monday. be another cool spot. Cool. It could be on Monday. Yep. So look out over the weekend. Cheers as always to uh, Borgata for hosting us. You can earn up to 20 times slot dollar multipliers every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday through this month. Visit theborgata.com for details. And I know for some, when I'm on the road too, sometimes it's harder for me to get deep into the chat with our crew. You know, Justin, D-Rod, the whole crew. Um, Luke's in there today. But AJ Early always in there. We'll uh, answer some of your questions again next week. And um, what's on your head? We got a little pirate John right here. The camo, Ooh, the like camo hat. This was from my second tour of duty with the pirates, pun intended, with the military. There was the digital camo back in 2016. It's a great hat. It is. It's a great hat. I love the camo look. If I hunted, I would wear it. Yeah. And also, hey, John Fisher, sell the damn team. Thanks to everyone for being here at the uh, BetMGM Sportsbook in Atlantic City. We appreciate you, and we will see you in a couple weeks again. We got multiple shows two in a row coming up in September. We will see you all then. We'll see you Monday on FT Live. Bye. Hey, FT Live fam. If you're new to the party on the BetMGM Sports app, enter the promo code FOUL. F-O-U-L for up to $1,000 back if your first bet loses. It's simple. Ready? Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gotta use the bonus code. Foul.